I'm Matthew Buckley-Smith, and you're listening to Slee Rickets. Thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you, too, if you have taken the time, so maybe maybe over the holidays, maybe when you were home with your family, uh, you took a moment to mention the show, just let to let somebody know about it who might enjoy it. If not, then please uh, turn to turn to your neighbor on your dog walk or your dishwashing session or your coffee house hangout. Nobody's at a coffee house anymore. I, I miss that, but it doesn't seem like that happens anymore. Wherever you are, tell someone about the show. I, I appreciate it, and uh, it makes for a a growing and a robust growing audience. I think like that's part of what I like about the listeners uh, that I have is that they tend to be sticky and they tend to be engaged. So let's keep it that way. Let's just keep telling the cool people about the show and see what we can do from there. So thank you all. Thanks also if you have subscribed to The Secret Show and getting some new subscribers lately. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, also, uh, in addition to getting new episodes, uh, bonus episodes, there's 25 up now and more coming about three a month, I think. I'm, I may, this is, we've done three so far this month and may do a fourth before the end of the year, but, but maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Uh, new episodes all the time. Also, this new chat function, which is like a little private thread on my phone with a bunch of listeners having arguments about Japanese poetry and the Northmen and the Smiths uh, and uh, how hard it is to get into Three Penny Review among other things, uh, it's gotten real lively some <laughs> uh, lately. So please do join up and uh, and come come put in your two bits there. Go to sleerickets.substack.com and sign up today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. It's coming out real late. Sorry about that. I had I had some shit to catch up on. Speaking of which, this week's episode is going to be kind of an inside out one or a uh, there was a there was a a trend. I don't know if it's still in place. Last time I, I uh, I had my toes in the academic world, there was a trend of uh, of of doing what's what people called the the I think they called it the inside out classroom, something like that, where they would do homework in class and then and then lectures at home or so. I don't know how this worked exactly, but that's sort of what we're doing today. So what what I did is Alice Alice had a special request. She wanted Brian and me to discuss a story called Car Crash While Hitchhiking, which I'd never heard of, uh, or I, I knew the book it was from. I didn't, I hadn't read it, uh, but Brian knew it very well. We uh, got into that. We had a great discussion about it and and some other things. But before getting there, we were sidetracked for a like a long time by a bunch of trivial shit, including some of our classics, uh, impractical thought experiments, nonsensical sex jokes, uh, uh, Brian's stubborn insistence on some insane, untenable. Uh, principle uh, having to do with a, with a just sort of a, like so profound a sin, so profoundly cynical a view of what makes writers write that it becomes almost uh, inscrutable as well as 
uh, inadvertent mockery of one of my beloved former guests. So I, I said, well, what I'll obviously do, as I would normally do in a case like this, is I will release our, our conversation about the Dennis Johnson story on the main feed, and I will save all of the ill-considered madness for the Secret Show feed, except that Brian then insisted that I do it the other way around. So that's what I'm doing. This is an Inside Out episode, Inside Out Classroom today. Uh, today's episode is all of the stuff that got us sidetracked before we actually got to the story. And coming out soon on the Secret Show feed will be our conversation about this terrific story and uh, and some other things we got into after that. Since, since this is coming out on the main feed, though, I do feel uh, as if I should make a point here of saying I just read today the recent uh, piece that Amit Madhukandar published in the LARB, the Los Angeles Review of Books. It's a piece called Essay on Iron, and it is written in rhyming heroic couplets, or, or rhyming couplets in heroic couplets. Not closed, typically. They're, they're pretty loose and open uh, in an unpopian way. But uh, this, like his previous essay on repetition, uh, it ha has the same form and some similar qualities. This one is way looser in its meter and certainly in its rhyme. I would say that overall, it's less perfect than Essay on Repetition. He claims that it's a first draft in the poem itself, which, as we discussed before, may or may not be true. But it feels pretty true in this case. This does feel fairly first drafty. Uh, but I, but I, I would say in, in, to compare it with essay on repetition, this is less perfect and more moving. It's maybe just because it gets into, uh, he, it gets into being a parent as well as getting older. So it's a poem about weightlifting, which I, I weirdly have had a very similar experience to Amit um, Majmadar in this. I, I. I uh, started weightlifting as a scrawny kid and have continued you know, more or less daily since then. My experience of it, however, has been wildly different from his, or at least the way he seems to interpret his. It just seems like the way he talks about it is so... I mean, he imbues it with meaning and, and he connects it to poetry in a way that I had not, certainly had not myself, though it's it's quite convincing. He says... Uh, for example, in talking about how you should never compare your gains in weightlifting with anyone else's. He says, the poem's I is someone to compete with. I strive to beat the man I share my seat with. When living, lifting, writing, self-revision, each rhyme a rep, more weight and more ambition, will grow my karma as I grow my work. From strength to strength, each birth a clean and jerk. Uh, and he does, he, he connects the this sort of elaborate conceit to a uh, Hindu vision of, of reincarnation and, and progress over many lifetimes, uh, which, you know, he, he is, of course, a practicing Hindu and I'm a practicing nothing. So that that uh, accounts for some of the difference there. But it is, it's just a, it is a, for being, like for having so much subject matter that I'm so familiar with, it was a really strange poem to read. It's very lucid but I found it to be a very different set of experiences. He also, he of, course, he of course has some sons, which I don't have. And he talks about uh, sort of forcing them to start lifting weights. And then the strange experience of seeing them as he himself is declining in strength and beauty. His, uh, his sons are kind of are, are entering their prime. And he sees these sort of these great, powerful figures coming home to, to watch over him the way he used to when they were children. Uh, he says... 
And now they're men, and only visit here. My basement set up quaint with a low ceiling, their college fitness palace more appealing, two dark-haired giants standing at the head of Daddy's flat bench, nodding, go ahead, just breathe out, Dad, you've got this. So I push, the weight, stall, grimace, feel my whole head flush, until two fingers cradling the bar remind me who I am and who they are. So it's, I found this, like, again, as I said, uh, more frustrating formally, but more uh, touching as a as a lyric. Uh, and I, re- I so I recommend it. I will put a link in the show notes. And <laughs> in advance of everything Brian has to say in this conversation, I just want to invite Amit to come back on the show anytime he likes and make fun of Brian to his heart's content. With all that in mind, please enjoy this uh, utterly chaotic and nearly content-free conversation. So in the story, there is a very, to my mind, very prominent, uh, miserably wet, cold sleeping bag that... Yeah, definitely. To, to me, like, like when I... For like a year after I quit smoking, anytime I like read a book where or saw a TV show where somebody smoked a cigarette, it was like, oh, that was a great Graham Greene novel about that guy who smoked cigarettes. <laughs> and so like, like the, you know, like nothing else. So to me, like I have such a, a horror of being like wet and cold that it just like the guy draped in a dripping sleeping bag was like, that's what the story. Ended that's up worse about. than like the murdered wife. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But the um, but it, but it also clarified for me this this thought experiment that I have like puzzled. Oh, I mean, I haven't puzzled over, but I have been puzzled by other people's responses to it, and it clarified it for me in a way that I thought might be interesting to you because I think I have. So typically, there are these two questions, and most people answer them in like a parallel way. You're so excited about this, I can tell. No, no, I'm just <laughs> resting. I'm tired. I'm listening. You can't. Like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to rest. We're, we're rest, like gearing rest. up for this. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah, to yeah. get the energy ready. No, no, I'm not. I'm not holding my head in, um, in critical uh, uh, anticipation. I'm, I'm just resting. So there are these two thought experiments. Most people tend to answer them the same way. I, my intuition is that you will answer them in opposing ways. Well, let's uh, but I could be let's wrong. Do okay. It. So. The two, the two thoughts, the two um, questions are if... Should I wait until I hear both questions or should I answer them one at a time? Uh, or is that, is that not how this works? I, yeah. Well, I think you can, you can, let's just hear both of them and then you can, yeah, you can say what you think. Yeah. So the first one okay. is this idea that people have proposed that like occurred to me in the midst of a bunch of weird surgeries I had. I know you've had some surgeries. I, I haven't had surgeries. I've, I wish I could have had surgeries. No, I, right. I just have a an undiagnosable neurological disorder that um, I've seen hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of probably close to a hundred different medical practitioners for it. Uh, but no, ah, none yeah, of them yeah, were, yeah. Sur- none of them were surgical. Yeah. Well, so I had this little stretch of a few years where I had like three, not insignificant surgeries on like all on like my brain and my balls, like the places you least want to have surgery on. And yeah, bad places I, for the surgery. In the middle of that process, like after, at least one and before at least one or two others, I, this thought occurred to me, which was that when this is, I'm not the first person, but like we are, you're put out during surgery. You don't 
think any thoughts, you don't dream any dreams, you don't feel any feelings, and then you come back after surgery. And the anesthesiologist described it as being like a temporary coma, basically. Um, yeah, so I, I've had uh, endoscopies and colonoscopies. So I've I've had right. that that were you, feeling were you, where I you didn't was, have general anesthesia for that, did you? I did. did you have? I did. Oh, you did. General okay. Anesthesia. All right. All right. I've had okay. general anesthesia three times. Yeah. So the 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 thought that occurred to me was, well, is it? Is this one of the questions yet? I'm ready. We're getting for the there. Questions. Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. So so the thought that occurred to me was uh, like, is time. it possible right. that instead of just completely putting you out? anesthesia simply paralyzes you and then you experience the full horror and excruciating agony of surgery mm -hmm. and then afterward mm -hmm. you have no memory of it and right. there seem to be two people who like very quickly and intuitively split into these two camps one of which is that makes me think neither i nor anyone else should ever have surgery again because that's an unthinkable horror and then the other group right. says like nah well who cares i don't remember it so what does it matter and my intuition, right. well, yeah, so I have an intuition about how you'll answer that, but then that's one question. Okay. And then the other okay. question is the, like, there are different versions of it, but it's the, like, like the, it's either the teleporter question or the, uh, the, the, the upload your brain to the cloud question where, like, if there were a way where a, a machine or some kind of, like, artificial network could perfectly replicate every neuron in your brain. And, right. and produce basically a, a, a perfect copy of your consciousness. And then you, you, you know, you, your physical body died, but that carried on. Mm -hmm. Would that, does that sound fine to you? Or does that sound like, uh, like, basically, do you think like, is that me or is that not me? And then there are a couple of different ways of coming at that, but like, I'm curious because I have I have, in, I have suspicions about how you will answer those questions, but they don't line up with how I think most people would. But I'm, I'm presuming too much. So tell me what you think first. So for question number one, I I'm not gonna be in either camp. I, I I would say I would care deeply if I were suffering during that and had no memory of it, but. I'm enough of a believer in modern modern medicine, and I think it's it's worth that suffering if I don't roll that suffering for the procedure. It's worth that so suffering. So closer if you to don't, the second what, camp. If you don't remember it. Yes. So I, I'm not saying I'm not in the who I'm not in the who cares camp right. because I, I do experience like a a, a frisson of horror to um, imagine sure. that. Uh, and I think that there's there's um that horror is real and is worth weighing. But but I, I think that I would take, even if that were the case, I would still go ahead with the surgeries and the but, general anesthesia. But to you, it matters that you don't remember it afterward. Oh, it matters profoundly, yes. So what if anesthesia instead was just a perfect paralytic agent so that you could in no way interrupt or, or damage the surgical process, but you would fully experience and later fully remember everything. Does that change it? I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to do that. But you would go through it, even if you could fully experience everything, as long as you basically had no memory later. Right. I, I have found in, in having a, uh, a chronic illness, I have found moments of intense pain 
um, a lot more endurable since I've experienced a chronic illness, knowing that those moments of intense pain would end. So I, I, the, the, in the midst of a chronic illness, when I didn't know whether it would, whether I would be incapacitated for a week, a month or years or the rest of my life, um, the uncertainty of that, the, the potential that this was going to be the rest of my life was far and away the worst part of the chronic illness. I, I was incapacitated for the day, but not knowing whether it would last another day, a month, a, a week, a year, or forever, that was the worst part. So for example, since when a uh, a kidney stone attack or whatever one calls it, a kidney stone blocking my my uh, the, the passage into my urethra. Um, that was severe pain. And people talk about it as like the most severe pain in the world. And it definitely yeah. was the most severe pain I've ever experienced. But I think within the context of feeling that chronic fear that I would need to be in some kind of pain or disorientation or in incapacitated forever, dealing with chronic pain in that moment was less overwhelming, less profound an experience than I think it would have been had I not been able to measure it against chronic pain. So it would be terrible to know that I was going through surgery and experience all the surgery through in, you know, while being preserved by that paralytic agent or whatever you called it, but, you know, and not being able to to fight against the surgery, but knowing it was short-term pain, I think I could uh, deal with it and still go on for the long-term benefit of the surgery. But, but the question is not whether the pain is short-term. The question is whether the memory is short-term, right? Like you're not, the pain is going to end either way, but the question is whether or not you remember it afterward. But what does the memory of pain mean? Is it just remembering having experienced pain? Like in the same way that I remember having the kidney stone now i would remember yeah well i mean just like surgery it sounds like you were saying almost the opposite because just now you said that when you had the kidney stone the memory of that chronic like less acute but more horrifying chronic pain was actually helpful to you yes it was and you're right and i'm wrong and i would i would be enduring the pain if it meant long-term benefit yeah you don't seem uh, satisfied with my answer yeah that seems are you dissatisfied right. no no i mean because i think i think to me like they're the the obviously I mean, but i don't want that who would say no, they no, want nobody that? wants that nobody wants that i mean though, though I, it does make me think about like people before anesthesia right who did have surgery sometimes and like oh yeah i would i would down and like, like the they bite proverbial something bullet. And, right yeah, yeah 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 uh and i mean and sometimes even like in a way like a battlefield amputation is is like horrifying, but in some ways like less horrifying than like, well, we need to go in and cut the cancer out of your abdomen. And so like, we're totally. going to take you into this theater and just strap you down, strap you down. So I, I think like to me, like the, the horror is compounded by the knowledge or the suspicion that like, A, nobody outside realizes that I'm suffering and B, yes. and B like, I will not even care about this later. Like both of those things so would, you would, would make it so more you infuriating. you would prefer to have everybody assuming there was pain you would prefer for you to remember the pain and for everyone else to acknowledge that, that pain yes then for if it had to be there here yes yeah, i yeah. agree with that i feel the yeah, same yeah, way yeah. i okay. feel the same way i totally had you wrong i thought you'd be in the who cares camp uh who cares about pain that you don't remember exactly yeah which like like joanna no, is like the, very the, firmly and immediately in that camp 
No, because the severity of the loneliness in experiencing yeah, that yeah. pain, because when you're experiencing the pain, you know that nobody else knows about it in that yeah. moment, right? Yeah, and they think you're fine. Yeah, that, would, like, yeah. that would be terrible. That, yeah. that loneliness would be the worst part. Okay, so then what about uh, digital you? So this is you build the boat back and all the pieces are the same pieces, but is the boat still the same? Well, they're different versions. Like, you know, like the teleporter question, right? Is a, tr a transporter teleporter a right like a magical traveling device or is it a murder machine right like right. do you just no, like that. I, dissolve somebody and then like build a new that guy with the same component? so would i mind if i were a new that guy or like if I were a like, new version of me yeah like they're different versions like one version of that question would be like would you be would that would you be cool with it if you like were teleported like Meaning like you were dissolved, but you were perfectly copied and reproduced elsewhere. And then a different version no, of the question No, I want to be is, me. Yeah. I want to be me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so then, the, the, I don't want to be the, some the, other me. The different question. I want to be like, the me, me. Yeah. Well, in part, like, so that one involves like opting to die, which is not, which is like not great. I don't want to be, I don't want to opt to die. But then the other version would be like, so when you do eventually die, is it. Yeah, I'm going to die. Is it in any way reassuring to you to think that like if it were possible to perfectly replicate your brain and make some kind of digital or physical copy of you that would then carry on after your death. Like, is that, but am I that guy or is just that guy interacting with other people as me? Well, so there are, so this is the thing is like this, the people in my experience who say, who cares to the first question tend to say yeah. it's, it's you same thing. It's perfect copy. Same thing. There's no difference. And, to me, like there's a huge problem, which is, which I think of as like the continuity problem. Yes. Which is, which, and so, but this, this story helped me with this question because instead of thinking like, oh, you get dissolved or you die, and then there's a new you that pops up elsewhere that's a perfect copy, I thought, oh, well, what if instead of dissolving or dying, like you got copied, and then the, like you who just got copied go into one room. And you uh, you climb into a dripping wet cold sleeping bag and you lie there for an indefinite period of time, and then the <laughs> then the meta you goes into the metaverse and like makes love to your meta wife and like eats a delicious meta taco. Like then like clearly there's a different like clearly you can't any longer say like no it's the same thing, right? Like like that that's like that continuity problem I think is the is what right. what uh, what Dennis Johnson helped helped me resolve. Does that does that make sense? In, I mean in, that makes no sense, what? but. No, no, no. I mean, it, it might it might make sense, but do you see parallel existences like before and after the sleeping bag in this story? No, like there's no parallel. There's there's one existence that then branches. I think I think what what's what people have trouble with is if there's a if there's like one existence with a blip in the middle. And the, the other thing yes. is that like the the meta you, the copy of you, he experiences continuity, right? Because he has all the memories of everything up to that moment. And for him, yes. he is you. So in his mind, he says, oh, well, this is, it worked. It's just me. But the you that goes up to that moment has to crawl into the wet sleeping bag. Because of drugs. Well, not drugs, but like I'm saying, if, if instead of being dissolved in the teleporter, like you got into the teleporter and then a you appeared a million miles away, but the you that got into the teleporter now has to get into a wet sleeping bag, like that would be like, no, this is not good. Like this doesn't work at all. This is a terrible invention, right? Rather right. than just like if I just like like you know cleanly vanish, then there sort of feels like oh, this is a thing, right? But, 
But what does it have to do with the car crash while hitchhiking by Dennis Johnson? So this was a story about a wet sleeping bag, Brian. That's like that's what I'm saying. Like that's all. <laughs> like it's not all I got from. That's like ninety percent of what I got from it. But yeah, here. Okay, How so, bad it would be to have a wet sleeping bag? I just like kept thinking. He was like, and then I lay on my sleeping bag on the car. It's like, oh, it's still wet. Oh, yeah, he he's like, and then he draped pillow. it around yeah. me. I draped it around me like a cape. Like yeah. the wet sleeping. Like and it's cape. just still in the rain. He's like, he lay down in the rain in the sleep. It's just oh, God, it's just unbearable. Uh, and yes, there's also some horrible violence in it. But so Alice, Alice sent this lovely, lovely message. And boy, it's been a while. No, no, really no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel like there was this big run up. I let you down. I don't know what. I don't understand. I get the hypothetical. I wouldn't want to feel pain when no one knew about that. I wouldn't want a new version of me to go make love with my. And also, there's a sleeping story. I feel like there was yeah. a there was a epiphany. I didn't I didn't grant you there. I didn't afford you. No, what no, was no. The, I think I think what the, was the aha so that the listeners you, were gonna gonna shudder with revelation when they when I got to it. I didn't I didn't give so that to you're you. You're a very yeah. It. You're you're like a very practical unsentimental person but you're also a like a skeptic am i unsentimental uh, i i the the, the very few seem... things i love i i love deeply and profoundly and if they were taken away from me my life would be ruined no i think you're emotional but i don't think you're like i think of myself as be maybe maybe i like i i correlate sentimentality with gullibility okay i think like like the same the same okay. the same version of like Moments before when we had this audio problem, we thought we got it fixed. And and my immediate instinct was like, well, there's like a 50-50 chance this whole recording will be ruined, but let's like, let's just go ahead and do it anyway. And then we'll see. Yeah, and your response bad, was like, bad well, instinct. We yeah, should, the bad instinct. We should like check it first to make sure. Like we should we should confirm. Like this yeah. is the same person who was Verify. like, like, get receipt for the tape. Like, what are you talking about? Like, the, <laughs> yeah. I think like that, that distinction is what like I I think of as being. Like the me that gets hung up on, like, but my unremembering self will have suffered. And like, and Joanna's just like, this is I so, so fucking stupid. Like, my assumption is that you're, I you see. would be in the camp of like, stop, boy, what are you worrying about? Um, right. So I ruined the question because I made it too real uh, in my own life. No, but, no, no. But, I think, but I think, I think, when, it's, when was like, I supposed to say, yes, that unlocks the Dennis Johnson for me as well? I, I, oh, no, it has nothing to do with the Dennis Johnson story, except that this is the story about the wet sleeping bag. Like, the wet sleeping bag helped me. Because I think there's like, like a lot of oh. people have trouble with the idea that like you just die, but then there's this new you that pops up in that teleporter slash. I would imagine everybody had like, trouble with that. Well, no, no, no but like that's what I'm saying is like lots and lots of people just say like there tend to be like the main two responses that are How digital consciousness is stupid. This? Okay. I've asked a few people, but I've also like it, it's a it's a kind of question that comes up in different versions. That I've heard a number right. of and like a lot of people just right. very intuitively say, of course it's me, who cares? Whatever. And right. I don't feel that then, way. And then other people tend to say, it's a stupid question, who cares? Right. But like very few I people don't feel say that like, way either. Yeah. Right. So so I think like you have the minority response, which is, oh no, like it really matters that the continuous me that like walked into that teleporter then gets dissolved and then there's just nothing. And so I, so I was, and if, I was if replaced. The, uh, like, if I think, the other me had to go sleep in a wet sleeping bag all this time, well, no, I would like you the, that. I think like like the the the, the nothing, me. the nothing that right. either the vanishing or the dying you facilitates the illusion of continuity. Facilitates the illusion. They're like, oh, it's still me in the metaverse. And I Got think it. the wet sleeping bag ruins that illusion. Like it's like no, that your continuity is not like a clean vanishing into the nothingness. It's a wet sleeping bag forever.
That'd be really uncomfortable. It'd be terrible. It's like it's like yeah, Dostoevsky's. Couldn't, couldn't get a good uh, sleep. Do you remember? Do you remember in, um, I think it's Crime and Punishment where he's like, "What if the afterlife is just a dark, small yeah. room with full, full of spiders?" I think that Crime and Punishment. It's yeah, that made me giggle. That was no. that's not yeah. That'd be bad. That just that'd be bad. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, especially if you knew that there was another you who thought he was the same you who was eating right. tacos who didn't and, need to be yeah. with all the little spiders right yeah. who was like yeah it works no no it's, it's cool man <laughs> this so, is what alice wanted us to discuss no this is nothing to do with this is definitely not what she wanted us to discuss so she i'll, I'll quickly read her like part of her note because it, it, it talks about the story and um a number of other things and a nice and, a nice, and she's just lovely and i am gonna talk to her soon it's just been a while for a very for silly reasons she says in my she, I, so I, I mentioned the rat bag thing because she called me a rat bag and and uh, i i embraced the term she said in my That's world a good phrase it is. A rat bag is a charming someone who enjoys a bit of trouble and knows exactly how much trouble his charm will get him out of. Which is a nice little definition. Uh, she says, I recently listened to an old Paris Review podcast episode that included the story Car Crash While Hitchhiking by Dennis Johnson and thought of sending it to you and Brian. But I always feel like recommending American short stories to you guys risks coming off like someone recommending I have a look at Man from Snowy River, which is too anxious. She's too anxious, as she always is. But because um, this is lovely. I'm glad she recommended it. Uh, and then and then she goes on, she says, I would love to hear you both talk more about this arrogance, humility, faith in writing thing. To me, the whole sitting down to write and channeling Charlemagne idea is completely foreign. The closest I can imagine is thinking, well, some poet once was a Charlemagne, and he probably influenced a few people who went on to influence some others, some of whom are sort of closer to me, and maybe I could try to be a bit like them. I mean, how do you find the wherewithal to decide you're going to write a bloody novel? Uh, so that's what she wanted us to discuss. Shall we start with uh, Johnson? I don't know. I'm just interested in 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 that whole premise that Alice comes to that I think a lot of sincere writers come with, which is the idea that like you're sitting down in order to have some effect on someone. Like, isn't that built in the question that like, like, how dare you sit down to write a poem or a novel because it's obviously not going to be very good or nobody will care or it won't matter or no one's going to be changed or you're not a genius or isn't that what's built into it it's like how isn't there like a a, a self-doubt inherent in that it's like how dare you do this work yes though i, th I think i think the, the question does land slightly differently if it's how dare you versus how dare i sure 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 yeah. how dare one but like yeah. like why aren't we all sitting there paralyzed with the thought like how dare i sit down to do this like how dare i yeah, presume yeah, yeah. that anyone will give a shit or how dare i foist my work on other people yeah so you right i know that the so the charlemagne bit which was came up in the conversation with Amit Mashbadar when he he uh, cited napoleon uh screaming i am charlemagne in the midst of the middle of a battle which is which is kind of i cool. had to turn off that interview um, way before we got there yeah fill, <laughs> fill me in so I'm, what i was gonna say I, I know as that soon you as he are... started citing his own rhyming essay he was that what happened he's he's reading with glee uh, an essay he in rhyme i uh i turned that one off yeah. but yeah go ahead brian <laughs> number number one million fan uh so we, I, I'm sure he's good at whatever he does, but who, who gets on the, gets on the mic and says, well, like now let me read this essay I wrote that I wrote in verse. I, I don't, I guess there's a, an audience for verse essays. I am just not a member it, of that audience. It, it, um, uh, coincidentally, it, it heavily overlaps with my audience. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, great. Yeah. So all you all you Sleerickets listeners who who when they read an essay, you're like, this essay is pretty good, but but only if it rhymed, then then I'd I'd really love reading this essay. Uh, you found your home, Sleerickets. Uh, welcome, welcome to the big show. But yeah, yeah. needless to say, because of a shortcoming in me, because I. That's not the way I like, um, I don't know, receiving information. Uh, I I stopped. I turned that Slee Ricketts off. Um, but again, that's about me. But tell me about Charlemagne. I missed out on Charlemagne. <laughs> okay. So he, he, I asked him, I brought up the fact that some of my listeners, and I didn't in the time name you <laughs> explicitly, but I, I brought up like some of my listeners, and you're not the only one, found him very arrogant. And... Wait, wait, wait. So in the interview where he quoted his own essay in rhyme, yeah. you accused him of potentially being found arrogant by some of his listeners? Well, I said in previous some interviews. Of, I said I said some of my listeners found right. his pre, found him arrogant in his previous. You should really listen to the show, Brian. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> no, I do listen to all of it. My the one time I the 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 one key to unlocking my turning off the, the, the an episode is when someone quotes their own essay in rhyme i don't that's a genre that does it for me i just can't it's like it's like if someone brings like sloppy sandwich into sex i'm like okay can't have sloppy sex sandwich. anymore yeah it's like, uh, like that's, you, I like that's the idea not, that you can power through anything not that every nothing else will turn you, but like the sloppy sandwiches that that's oh, your kryptonite. Disgusting. Could you imagine like sweet kisses and like starting to Mayonnaise. disrobe and then like, yeah. like honey, honey, I dipped this big sandwich in, in a, in a, in a pitcher of water and brought it to bed with me. Not even it's like, it's ah, not like a, it's not like a barbecue sandwich, sloppy. it's a wet sandwich. Yeah. I'd be like, that's one sloppy sandwich. I'm no longer interested in making love. That's the equivalent. This is an analogy, Matthew. The equivalent of that analogy the is when is someone love quotes his own, um, <laughs> his own essay that where the, the sentences rhyme with each other in the essay. So I listen to the show just like I make love with my 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 wife at the um except if she brings a big sloppy sandwich into bed can you now continue about charlemagne i hope you're listening alex <laughs> take notes no more sandwiches. listen to this of course, I hope not. all right so uh so rather than being the honey around the rim of the the cup uh the verse is like the water you pour on the sandwich to, to ruin it to make it inedible <laughs> i prefer the image of a of a big hoagie, like a big sandwich that you don't pour out, you dunk it, you dunk it into <laughs> like a, a biscotti of and coffee, like you did. Like <laughs> yeah. You just put in a big bucket but of like water for giants, and then, right. you, then you tuck it under your arm like a baguette, and you bring it into your it's the opposite into of your a baguette. It's bed. like a noodle. It's just, yeah. Tuck that under your arm. Yeah, no, I'm saying it's not like a baguette, except insofar as you tuck it under your arm to bring it into <laughs> bed with you. Um, I don't, that would, that, that would be a big turnoff for me. Just like when I listen to Slee Ricketts and someone quotes his own essay in rhyme. Can we get to the point about Charlemagne? Sure. So when I, when I mentioned that some of my listeners found him arrogant, I, we, so we, we then talked about the question of whether a little bit of arrogance is necessary in order to make art. And he, he said that there's a story that in the middle of a battle, 
uh, Napoleon, while leading his his troops on, he was heard screaming at the enemy, "I am Charlemagne." Well, you know, like that Napoleon was a little. Napoleon has know, an ego. Was this guy's an ego? Point? Right. Well, no, but but the the um, apart from just the 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 funniness of that story, I think the the suggestion and that he you know we he talked a little bit about this in his own experience is that you have to be you have to be humble. You have to be willing to like cut and throw away your work when it's not good enough. But you also have to have a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of cockiness. You have to be willing to. <laughs> You're still thinking of the sandwich. What if what if you what if you carried the sandwich into bed with sufficient with sufficient panache? What if you act what if what if you acted like you'd brought the best surprise, the best like like honey, have I got a if I got something for you, you're gonna you know this this you're gonna love. You, you would be carried away. You would be convinced. But I I I I think things have been a little a little stayed lately. So I uh I dunked this this sandwich into a pitcher. Um, all right. So the point is, is that you need to be full of yourself to write fit. Um, I don't believe that to be to be true. I I don't believe that people. I shouldn't talk about people. When I write, I am writing because the act of writing makes my day feel like it was spent in more meaningful a way. And I want to have published works in the world for my own ego. And I think that my perception of people's thoughts and why they do the things they do is uh, acute enough to earn my occasionally having these published works in the world. Um, which I uh, makes me happier. I, I think I think it's just purely based on ego for me, for you, for Amit, and for um, almost everybody else I know who writes. So, what what is the difference between that and what he said? I don't think that there's anything special about me. I, I don't think that there's anything. Um, I don't think a, a muse sings through me. I don't think I, I'm particularly smart or capable. I, I think that. I do this because I want to. I, I I arbitrarily set this goal for myself, so I'm trying to work hard to accomplish it. And I, I don't think I am special for having these things. I, I think I've developed craft enough to to write and to have and to be entertaining for some people. I think I can entertain some people on on the page, yeah. but I don't I don't think entertaining people on a page is is a particularly uh, impressive feet I, I don't i don't know yeah. i mean okay but, but this like the i do this because writing makes my day feel better also feels a little bit like the like the altruism thing where you say like oh you're only giving money to charity to give yourself a boost like well i mean maybe sort of but also like it only gives you a boost because you actually to some extent believe in it like it only makes your day feel better because you you have some credulity, like you, you, to some extent, buy fine, into fine, 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 fine. Right. My, 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 my larger point here is when artists talk as though they think their work will help others, I immediately lose patience for them and think they're lying. I, I don't yeah. think that, that people are doing this for other people. I think they're doing it for themselves. 
And that's the case with me. And that's the case with you. And that's the case sure. with Amit. And I, I, I don't think you need a particular grandiose sense of self if you're just sitting down thinking like, I'm going to entertain some people. Yeah. Okay. But hold on. Like you, you I do feel like there's a, there's a little bit of a, 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 an equivocation here because I, I think you're, you're right that I think I totally agree with you that like thinking that you're writing in order to help other people or like teach them something or like make the world a better place. I think that's folly, but it's also right, that essentially quite... that there's no moral or didactic purpose in our work. Yeah. I mean, when there is a purpose, I think there's seldom an effect. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's intended, but it's not yet. Um, it's not a very good tool for doing that. Uh, but, but I also think, which that, by the way, I think is the, the main point that makes car crash while hitchhiking by Dennis Johnson land so hard in that final line, which is, and you, you ridiculous people, you expect me to help you. I, I think that, that what, what, is so uh, powerful about this story is he acknowledges the ridiculous futility of somebody who's trying to write for an audience, meaning on behalf of that audience or to better the audience or to, to have any real benefit other than a, a superficial brief one. Yes. I don't think you need to, to think full. I don't think you need to be full of yourself to be, I think you need to be full. You need to be full of yourself to be a, a sage or something like that. And I have no interest in being a sage. And I don't. I don't think. Sure. Any of yeah. The... But being full of yourself feels like that. Like again, that's like a that's a blurry characterization. I, I think like. The, but then, what is the characterization? What What is the characterization that Alice asks you or you asked Amit? Right. I mean, to me, it's it's less about I'm going to. I'm sent by God to make the world a better place. And that, so it's important that I write this book. And it's more about like, in the moment you're writing it, thinking like, oh, like, oh yeah, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to get him with this. Like, this is going to, this is going to get a rise out of him. This is going to surprise him. This is going to thrill them. This is going to make him laugh. Like I get like, I, the excitement I feel and the arrogance I feel in the midst of writing is like an excitement at the idea of the response I can elicit from the reader using what I know how to do with words. Like that's exciting to me. And like, I have to have some so that belief any different, in that. So, so is that any different from the response from, I mean, let me give you a, a hierarchy of, of sure. jobs then. Is that any different from a stand-up comedian who's just landed on a good joke or who's, who's no. tinkered his no. or her way into a good joke? No, All no. right. Is that any difference from a, uh, a, a, sex performer uh, who, who figures out a way to especially titillate by holding her body in that way? Uh, I mean, I think it is any different, but I think in terms of craft, no, not in, probably like in terms of one sense of one's own excitement and, and belief in oneself in the moment, probably not a big difference. Is it any different from a, a teacher who either in the moment or preparing for class has a, a way to get students engaged in the material? I think it is a little different there. I think there are some strong similarities. Like definitely teachers have to be entertainers as well. But I think there's also a, there's something of like a larger mission and a larger commitment with teaching than with like writing fiction or poetry. Right. So basically what, I, what I've what i attempted to, to lay out, maybe uh, unsuccessfully, implicit in my mind in what Alice and you were talking about is the writer stands apart from the, the average 
professional. You know, no, that like, no, 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 I don't that, think so. That there's something especially, really? You, you don't think inherent in Alice's question or in Amit's answer is that there is something especially um, uh, self important or uh, daring about sitting down and thinking like, this is going to be literature I'm producing? I think that there are some, I don't think all tasks and occupations and vocations are equivalent in this way, but I do think, I mean, I feel like I've even in that episode or in some other episode, I like, I mentioned the Gucci models and I mentioned athletes and like there, I think there's some kind yeah, I listen, of tasks. I listened to those episodes. Yeah. Well, so there's some kinds of tasks that require that kind of in the moment self-confidence and like, like belief that like, it's not just that I'm saying like, I'm writing this because I wish myself to be important or I'm writing this because I want my day to feel good. I'm always thinking like, I'm writing this because this is going to be fucking awesome. Like people like, like this is going to, this is going to be like awesome for somebody to read. Like I'm excited about right. and the, I don't, about I don't the experience. Have I don't No, you don't have like, you don't no. have like an, I, I mean, there's, it's like, it's, it's like riddled with and surrounded by doubt, but in the moment I have to have some like commitment. I, I have the excitement of the athlete in the moment thinking like I'm on a roll. This feels good. I yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, getting, yeah, yeah. I'm getting at something here. Yeah. But that seems typical of a lot of professions. Yeah. A lot, a lot of jobs. But but I, I think I think it's I think it's I think it, it it's not typical. I don't think it's all jobs or all, but I think like anything that involves a kind of a performance, there's a there's a certain kind of suspension of disbelief and like leap of faith into this into this like slightly ridiculous task or performance. I think like fighters. I mean, I think like there are a lot of there are a lot of things that are very much like it. And I think there are also a lot of jobs that are nothing like it. And then there's some range, right? Well, like think, teaching involves some of both. You, Jobs that you do rotely for money tend not to include. Like yeah, exactly. If I, if I and take then boxes and then there's from a, here there's and a move spectrum, them over there, right? there's a spectrum. That's yeah. that's something different. Sure. But I, but but I'm 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 not just being obnoxious here. I'm I'm sincerely uh, questioning your appraisal of, of the th their questions. Your question for Ahmed and as for us, I, implicit in that is that we are undertaking some sort of task that stands apart from teaching middle school English or shooting jump shots or being a dentist and, yeah, and, and fixing yeah, a root sure. canal. And I, and I'm well, saying, no, I'm saying you don't think it stands apart from being thing. a dentist and fixing a root canal. I think it, it probably stands quite apart. I think, I think like, you don't I think, think it's about the dentist, like getting it right. And I don't know what dentistry words are, but like, sure. I, I don't No, I think, I think they do take I'm, like pride in their craft. I think there, there have to, there has to be some, some like, you know, uh, sense of flow certainly with certain procedures and things but i do also think like if there's a if there's a way in which writing stands apart and even like different kinds of writing it's a matter of degree it's a matter of like where they stand on a spectrum of like how much craft is involved how much talent is involved how much luck is involved how much actual practical like application there is how much reward there is like i think that all of these factors, i agree but yeah. i think that the that the yelling i am charlemagne going into battle yeah is in its own category compared to what we are talking about, what writers or athletes or teachers or dentists, I would put writers, athletes, teachers, dentists in one category and a general murder an <laughs> army into another category. And sure. I, they're more I, alike than I, they are like the generals. Were. No, but I don't yeah. think that's a straw man. I, I I'm saying that I feel none of what general feels into, into battle. I, I don't, that, that, 
that does not feel right to me. And so I would agree with Alice there. I, I don't, don't feel moments I, of I grandiosity feel, when writing. No more so than when teaching. Okay. And I think that most people would say a part-time middle school English teacher does not have access to the same grandiosity as an artist. Huh. And I'm saying those people are wrong. Yeah, no, I mean, teaching, I think teaching and teaching well, and, and like you are a very like engrossing teacher. Like, I do think that there's a lot more performance and a lot more like entertainment work in that than people give it credit for. Uh, and even like watching like my, my daughter's birthday party, the magician, like, like he did magic and that was impressive, but like even more impressive was like the way he controlled the crowd of kids just by like how he talked to them and his body language and all. like there's, there's like, that's really impressive. And so I think people are too dismissive of teachers in that way, but I also Wait, but hang on, because if no... you're willing to put, but if you're willing to put a birthday party magician in the same category as what we do, then you're totally on my sphere. Because well, I, I'm, so, I'm saying I, it's a I spectrum. Be... I think it's not a matter of kind; it's a matter of degree. And I would say that a birthday party magician and a teacher are at more or less the same degree as a poet or a novelist. Maybe I, I think that the like. It matters that there is actually more of a practical social benefit to teaching. And it also matters that there's a, like a financial, like a straightforward financial foundation there. And and I think novel writing and then poetry go sort of further and further out on a ledge of like both aimlessness and self-indulgence and like, like they get further away from any kind of practical involvement with the world and, and more and more into a realm where like things like just pure luck and talent and whatever else weigh in. Whereas teaching and birthday magic doing are more, have more like reliable craft elements to them. Yes, like we don't need, I... we don't like we need an army of competent, but not saintly or brilliant teachers. We don't really need that for poetry. Right. Like, no, we, but we that's kind of, not what the original question was. Agree agree with you but sure. the, the question to my ear was I think those aren't, like how those dare are you sit down yeah. how dare you sit down with um enough self-confidence to think the world will give a shit about what you're doing you don't and have I'm, to just like you don't have to convince yourself to some extent that the world might give a shit about what you're doing about what you're doing when you're writing it no i don't i don't because i don't think anybody so gives you, a shit so you're writing well, I don't, that's the thing is like, it's both and it's like both total self-loathing and humility and like acute temporary targeted arrogance. Like I have to, I have to believe in what I'm doing as I'm doing it, even if for every other minute of the day, I have total despair and doubt about it. And you think that's what they're, that's what they're talking about? Just the, the, the potential of belief is just that like belief in what? belief that there's merit to it or belief that someone might read it one day or did it that like or that it matters i i imagine the mind of some like i imagine my own mind as a stranger reading it and being excited by it and so like it's that anticipatory excitement and that go, like I, that target like i'm aiming to create pleasure and excitement and and fear and whatever else in the mind of a reader and it's anticipation of that experience that gets me excited as I'm writing. Yeah, I just don't have the reader in mind when I write. What? I have I have um the the 
I, I find it pleasurable to to put into language the petty gossip and and thoughts that I have all the time. And then I, I know that to do it professionally, I have to have the craft elements of of plot and inevitability and stuff like that in there. But I don't. And sometimes I think, oh, cool, look what I just stumbled. Like, look what I figured out. Good, go, go, go me, and it's fun. But I don't. I don't know who reads the stuff I write. A, a few thousand people. I, I don't. Who reads the stuff you yeah, write? Yeah, yeah, a few yeah, thousand people. Is, I, I don't. This I'm, is like, I'm not. This is. But this is the. I mean, this goes back to guts. It's not gutsy to me. It's not. You don't need particular. No, like, no, it's not gutsy. So what gutsy. is it for me at least? Like I, I couldn't do it if that the feeling of like doubt and, and and meaninglessness and failure that like you're describing, I totally mm -hmm. share that. But if I could never suspend that, I don't think I could write. I don't think I ever suspend that. Wow. So you're really like uh, like Elizabeth Bishop, like writing is purely its own reward. No, no, no. Writing, I wouldn't do it if I didn't think I could get published, but it's ego. It's, it's, the, it's getting published. It's, it's public acknowledgement th that I need. It's the combination of the act of doing it and public acknowledgement for having done it. I like both of those things. Yeah, ever yeah, sure, of course. I as I, yeah, I I I'm with you there. I guess I just think like I don't know. I mean, to me, it's sort of like sober brain versus sex brain. Like the concept that like you like walking around in the world being the ridiculous person that you, like you like you like you know all of the all of what makes you like physically and mentally ridiculous as you walk around your life yes, and the idea that like somebody would engage in sex with you it just seems absurd but like in the moment you're actually doing that you have to sort of be like yeah man yeah this is yeah, totally. this makes sense you have to, so that's what i'm saying like that's it's that for me it's like in the moment i feel like it makes sense that i'm having sex with this poem you know i, I have to believe yes, in it in I, i'm just saying the it. reason why it makes sense is because i enjoy the act not because there's some external audience ready to no, benefit you, from it. You can't, you, you have no sense of like, you have no imagination or anticipation of someone else's pleasure as you're writing. No, the, the pleasure would be if I saw somebody reading my book on the subway, that would feel great. The yeah, actual thought of that sure, person that alone too. with my words. I don't know. I, I don't, I can't get that far. I don't understand how you could be, a, I mean, like, I definitely believe lots of writers write that way, but they tend to be writers who are very dry and dull and unpleasant to read. Or like, I be, like, I totally believe that Toby Martinez to Los Rivas writes that way. And that's why, like, and it, and it completely jives with my sense of his reading, writing as like highly intelligent and maybe sort of objectively impressive, which is like utterly joyless as an experience. Whereas your writing, it's like very lucid and funny and human. So just, it's bizarre to me that you don't, you don't like have a kind of a recursive process where you're imagining readers taking pleasure in what you're writing. Like you're, you're, you're not like yeah, making adjustments with that pleasure in mind. It's, it's like, yeah, it's bizarre to me. I don't know. I'm making adjustments to try to get it right. I, right I don't how? But what is that right? Right. By what measure? To, to, try to articulate forgive me you and cheever but like my vision of the world like to to try to try okay, to but i feel like find you're, the you're, language you're there it's like but to whom right to somebody right if you're talking about but, but i i wrote right. i wrote I, I wrote diary and i i wrote journals my, my whole life i i 
it's it's a one of the very few sources of pleasure for me is, is to sit down and and write thoughts down. I don't like that and team basketball with a bunch of people who aren't very good. Like, are the things yeah, I yeah. doing? Like, I I don't hmm. I don't know. A lot of people like going to concerts. Like, I don't like that. Like, I, I don't <laughs> I, I have no idea. Picnics. I, I don't like, know. I don't understand picnics. Yeah, like you know, people like standing. Yeah, out picnics, in the sun concerts, and parades, the beach. Like I don't. I, I don't. People most like, any people enjoy support. all these yeah. things. I don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, class outside. You know, like oh, I don't class outside is the worst. Yeah. Let's have class outside today. People are always so excited yeah. when they mention it too. Like, oh, oh, I have yeah. an idea. Hey, what? It's so nice today. Let's have class outside. Go fuck yourself. Why would I want to? <laughs> what are you talking idea. about? There are no chairs outside. Who is the posture for class outside? <laughs> That was this week's show. You can find the actual conversation, really good one, Brian and I had about car crash while hitchhiking on the Secret Show feed coming very soon. Go to sleevericketts.substack.com and sign up today. Uh, you can reach me, as always, at sleevericketts at gmail.com. And with any luck, I will be speaking to you again very soon. Until then. <laughs>